It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's another episode of Locked On Raptors, and today we are talking about a very fun Toronto Raptors win over the Memphis Grizzlies with special guest Katie Heindel. We are going to dig into our big takeaways from the game. We'll talk about the return of Yuta Watanabe, and perhaps the bench mob is alive. And also, we got our due to the game to hand out with plenty of candidates. We're going to sort through the many, many options for this uh, this week's, today's dude of the game on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Stick around. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1065 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, November the 25th. Happy Thanksgiving to our American friends out there. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors on Twitter as well. And you can find the podcast free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. It is very much appreciated when you take the time to support the show. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. And you can also do that on YouTube as well. So thank you in advance for joining our YouTube family. In addition to uh, liking it on the favorite podcast apps and all that stuff. Uh, Also, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. On today's show, we are talking about a Raptors 126-113 win over the Memphis Grizzlies. A huge second half, 67-42. to The Raptors outscored the Grizz in the second half down in Memphis. Really fun game. We're going to dig into all of it with today's guest, Katie Heindel. But before we bring in Katie and introduce her and do the whole rigmarole, got to tell you about our friends over at Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or need. And you can even negotiate better deals on the ones you want to keep. Truebill, we'll talk about it more a little bit later on. All right, Katie Heindel, how you doing? Welcome to the show. It's nice to have you. What's going on? 
I'm good, man. Um, yeah. feeling good. Early morning pod with my friend Sean having a coffee. It's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's not so bad. I also have the pleasure of working my day job for an American company. And so mm. after this, I'm basically off for the day because no one's doing anything else. So I'm just going to take some time and it's going to be <laughs> wonderful. Are you someone who uh, like vicariously celebrates American Thanksgiving in Canada? Do you like post up with a festive special or something like that just so you can feel no. the joy that our American <laughs> friends feel? No, I always feel like it's way too late. Um, I'm ready mm -hmm. for the holidays. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like we're all kind of waiting for Americans to get this part over with. <laughs> um, have a lot of American friends and I have to say like this year I don't know why but this year I repeated like thinking I was e extremely smart just repeatedly kept messing up when Thanksgiving was first for a mm. long time I thought it was this weekend that just passed mm. um, today I heard on the news they were talking about American Thanksgiving and I was like it's today like I thought it was on the weekend <laughs> it's super weird to me and so on a Thursday with them all the American friends I have that I know are going home today mm -hmm. or went home yesterday it makes much more sense to me but I was a little bit let down because I was like I thought they just wanted to hang out with their families for a few <laughs> extra days <laughs> yeah no they're doing it to get to anyway. the close to the good Black Friday deals near their parents house in the box stores yeah. uh yeah. yeah um either way happy Thanksgiving to our American friends uh we're gonna dig into a very fun Raptors game down in America as well down in Memphis the Raptors pull out a 126-113 win last night as mentioned 67-42 in the second half the Raptors outscored Memphis one of the better stretches of basketball this team has put together at any point so far this season Kind of getting back on track a little bit here. You know, that they had a pretty bad spell there. I think they were two and seven in their last nine coming into this one, but now they've won two of their last three. So who's laughing now? And they do have a chance to save a 500 road trip record if they beat the Pacers on Friday night, which is a nice thing as well. Katie, let's begin where we begin with every game recap podcast. What was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' win over the Grizzlies last night? Um, it was probably that at first they just seemed to completely like, obviously what they learned in that golden state game was like, well, all those shots were falling from deep, but they mm -hmm. kind of switched their defense to just focus on that. And it basically freed up the paint for the Grizzlies yeah. <laughs> entirely <laughs> in the first half. Once they kind of uh, clamped down on that, everything was really flowing much nicely, mm -hmm. much more nicely. Um, yeah, I was super happy to see Utah back. I think that to me was probably my biggest takeaway, uh, especially it was nice that it could come his debut could come against his former team uh, mm -hmm. and he could show out like that. Um, yeah, probably Utah, because I think like if we're talking about missing size with Kim gone, you know, um, I like Utah's capability there. I like how just like cool headed he is. I like very much what he said post game, which was when he was asked if he was nervous about going up for blocks anymore after getting dunked <laughs> on is that he'll never be nervous. And that's his job to just keep going. There's some poetry to Yuta Watanabe making his season debut last night and Anthony Edwards pulling off an even bigger dunk yes. than he put on yes. Utah last season on a, was it Gabe Vincent? My God. Yeah, he killed, uh, he killed him. He's dead yeah, now. Utah's off the schneid now. He is no yeah. longer Anthony Edwards' most notable victim. Um, but yeah, I, I was really happy to see Utah back as well. Obviously not an enormous game statistically from him. Just 14 minutes, three points, didn't hit a shot, but went to the line three or four mm -hmm. times. Uh, you know, I, I, I think... 
we saw that bench unit kind of have a little bit of cohesion last night, which is a really important development because that has been a sore spot for the team all year. The starters continued to perform well. Last night, every starter, 17 or more points, a really impressive showing, very efficient across the board as well. But you got actual tangible production from the second unit, and that was an enormous development. And I got to say, we've talked a lot you know, in the lead up to the Raptors getting healthier here about who might be on the outside looking in once they have their full complement of guys. And I got to say, after last night, I think my takeaway here is Chris Boucher's job seems like it's very much in jeopardy. He did not play a ton last night, just got in there for seven minutes in the first half, did not come in in the second half, and... I think with Utah, you're kind of getting the ideal version of what you would be getting from the best version of Boucher, right? Which is shooting and defense. And I just, I don't think Boucher really, look, it's one game of Utah. You know, he's got to kind of ease himself back in. I don't think he's guaranteed of a role either. It's going to take some time. And there's a million guys in this lineup who are worthy of minutes, it would seem. But with the way Utah provides a little bit more stability to that second unit, you know, I haven't loved the Chaos crew that much with like Precious and Banton and Boucher. It's felt a little too chaotic at times and there's not a lot of shooting out there. I think you breathe a little shooting in with Utah. That Svi-Utah second unit is pretty interesting, like on the wings mm-hmm. with the shooting and like sort of secondary playmaking they provide. And then you throw in Malachi Flynn, who had a nice game too. And I think you kind of might be cooking with something there as far as your second unit goes, like a Utah Svi malachi flynn banton and then insert starter here maybe that's kind of the way you go and maybe it's they for a time they ran that lineup with precious achua out there as the lone starter with that group it was a little hairy i wasn't like thrilled with it but it it got the job done and they they survived the minutes they played and yeah I, i think boucher is probably the guy who is going to benefit the least from the return of utah here are you similarly concerned for the future of chris boucher's playing time uh, no, because I think, like, I think, yeah, you're right. Utah's going to take up some of those minutes and necessarily so. I think mm-hmm. Nick Nurse is going to want to get him back in as many rotations as he can and just like up to speed. Um, mm-hmm. Boucher could stand to lose some minutes in that sense. Um, but I don't think it's interesting what you say about that chaos, like that chaos trifecta, mm-hmm. because I think the present work is like chaos kind of still needs an anchor. Right. Yeah. And I think when we've seen Boucher perform the best chaotically on the floor, it's when he is freed up to kind of spring around and pop up and be long and weird. Um, yeah. Wherever he can get to, like kind of fill up mm-hmm. the spots. Um, but it's not him. It's not him like at the five. Right. It's not him in that anchor spot. Uh, and I think he's played best when there is an anchor there. Mm-hmm. So to some degree, I think Chris Boucher is kind of feeling maybe the most the lack of that defined big spot on the team. Yeah. I think he's probably having the most adjustments when it comes to getting as close as to positionless as the Raptors are trying to get this season. Um, yeah. I don't know that. So I'm not going to say it's out of his realm of capabilities to get yeah. there, but I think you're kind of seeing the growing pains with especially just like his timing has seemed so fraught, you know, yeah. not just off, but completely like on in another time zone sometimes <laughs> than what his <laughs> teammates are doing. Um, and it's been pretty awkward, right? Like some of the most awkward plays and just like head scratchers have come when Boucher's on the floor and like <laughs> he doesn't understand, like he's not really like drilling a play, right? And they're like, yeah. keep going back and keep trying to do the same thing and the same thing and 
the same thing. And Nick Nurse said that last night too. He's like, we just kept running the same play and eventually it clicked. Yeah. Um, it hasn't necessarily clicked for Boucher yet. Yeah, um, we will see there. I mean, I think you make a good point about how he is typically better when there is sort of a traditional center next to him. We saw last season the best of Boucher and Aaron Baines was when they played together. And, you know, it, it's a difficult... I mean, it's a weird team to figure out if you're Nick Nurse to try to find minutes for all these guys, right? And he's going to have to cut guys out just because there's a math problem. You, when you have 12 guys who are sort of vying for minutes, there's just not that many mm -hmm. minutes to go around in a given game, especially when your starters have been so important to you know winning games. And you, you need that second unit burst to kind of make it so you're not playing those guys 40 minutes. And if Boucher's not offering that, there are other options who might. And Utah, I think, is one of those guys. And Precious Achua last night was really excellent as well. We're going to talk about Precious later on in the show, probably, as we get into the due-to-the-game conversation. Again, a very heated due-to-the-game situation uh, brewing for the final part of the show here. Um, but that's, uh, I think, a good place to leave off segment one there. I want to dig into, on the other side, Fred Van Vliet, who I thought was my big takeaway from this game. He was unbelievable. Like, really, this was a Fred Van Vliet-ass win. I think is sort of my takeaway. We will get to that here in one second, Katie. But first, I want to tell people about our friends over at Truebill, which I've talked about Truebill a few times now. It is one of the companies that we've had on the podcast in the five-year run of the podcast that I am most in need of uh, because I am the kind of person who gets a free trial or a subscription or something like that, and then I totally forget to cancel it, and then I'm paying money for something I will never, ever use. I'm still paying for like Adobe for some reason, even though I don't use it at all. I just haven't canceled my subscription. Well, guess what? Truebill is going to help me out with that and all of the other subscriptions I have forgotten to cancel. It is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save up to 720 bucks a year with Truebill, look, I'm that kind of person. There is definitely 720 bucks worth of Sean's money tied up in subscriptions I don't need at any given time. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge is there to help you when you need them and you, they can cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Never had a company that has a concierge. I really can't speak enough to how good Truebill is. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save over 100 million dollars worldwide don't fall for subscription scams start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked nba go right now to truebill.com slash locked nba it could save you thousands truebill.com t-r-u-e-b-i-l-l.com slash locked on nba and today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. The holiday season is nigh. It's a month until Christmas. The next month or so is probably going to be littered with all sorts of confections. And if you want to maybe take a day off once in a while and not have all of the sweet treats, try a Built Bar to replace it. You will still get that lovely, satisfying feeling like you're indulging in something, but you are not at all because Built Bar is low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, high-protein, covered in 100% real chocolate as well, and your average slice of pie is going to run you like 300 calories. Sometimes you just don't want to do that. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with plenty of protein. You can replace any confection or dessert or whatever it might be with a Built Bar. There's a flavor to match. Built is great for when you're hungry, if you're walking around doing holiday shopping, you're at the mall, whatever it might be be pack a built bar in your bag maybe two and you are going to satiate that craving for something 
uh, a little sweet and tasty and indulgent. And there's new surprises all the time at Built.com. So be sure to go to Built.com regularly. Check out what kind of limited time seasonal flavors they have. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday as well. Mark your calendar because Black Friday is going to be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Katie, let's continue on here and uh, dive into Fred Van Vliet, shall we? In this game for the Raptors, 23 points, six boards, seven assists, two steals, two blocks, nine of 14 shooting, three of seven from downtown, got to the line a couple times, was a plus 18 overall. Fred Van Vliet was awesome in this game, Katie. I, I got to pull up my notes here because I wrote down a stretch of possession possessions from Fred Van Vliet that totally changed this game in the fourth quarter. The game is uh, at 111-109 after a Gary Trent three for the Raptors to take the lead. Fred, at this point, is playing with five fouls with Ja Morant, his defensive check. Very terrifying stuff. Ja Morant is the coolest player alive. It was an absolute delight to watch him punk my team last night for the first half, at least. Uh, let's go to the, 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 the collection of plays here from Fred. First, he has that weird layup, hook shot, mashup thing, which uh, I don't think I've mm-hmm. ever seen him do that. Usually, he uses glass. This time, he's like, no, take out the middleman. I'm just going to put it up and in. Uh, then he had a great setup of Pascal Siakam. And then he had a uh, a big uh, Melons three, sorry, Katie, uh, to go up 118-111, one of his patented hilarious late game threes that he's kind of been on a run of doing. And then he uh, had a big uh, trip to the line as well to put, go up 120-111. Like that stretch there takes it from a two-point game to a game that is very much out of reach. And this was on the heels of, again, playing up with five fouls, guarding John Morant all night. What were your impressions of Fred Van Vliet last night? I thought this was very much a win dedicated to Fred Van Vliet and all of his glory. Very uh, organized, I thought, which is what you want from Fred. And I think that's mm-hmm. when he plays the best. Um, though I did really feel for him in the post game when he sounded extremely tired. And he said, <laughs> um, we're a young team that said, like, you know, we can't just come in and go through the motions every night or else right. we're down 70 was like 71 points at the half. Yeah. <laughs> and then the rest of the game is an uphill slog. I've really felt that in his voice. And he said, we can't continue to live like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was like, buddy. Um, but if you like, honestly, like if he's had a few games like this so far in the season, I think Fred understands that this is a little bit what he signed up for stepping into this role as team leader now mm-hmm. uh, in that like you're going to have stretches where the first half is completely disorganized, basically just a mess. You're letting the team get away with kind of everything. Um, mm-hmm. And then you got to you got to get into like your schemes. Basically, you've got to run. You've got to run the plays correctly, right? On both ends of the mm-hmm. floor. I think we saw the Raptors do that in large part to like credit to Fred Van Vliet for locking mm-hmm. them in like defensively where they were looking so lost uh, in the first half. Uh, and then like that paid dividends on the offensive end of the floor too. Um, but I mean, Fred is just like, it's still, you know, like it's still not lost on me and it's still not old to watch how like cool of a customer he is out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially against yeah. a team like Fred was just like the calmest person in a sea of like springy young, really yeah. just like unbridled enthusiasm, <laughs> like bodies out there. When you look at the Grizzlies and the Raptors, right? Like the teams are mm-hmm. very similar. And Fred is kind of the lone, like 
calm. Like we were talking about anchors before, and like Fred was like the lone that guy on the floor, but he looked yeah. great. Yeah, real uh, Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. I'm too old for this shit energy with Fred last night, but he, you know, managed to salvage <laughs> it, and uh, it was a really one of his better games of the season. I thought so far. You know, the the finishing around the baskets coming along. Obviously, it's never going to be there 100 because he's five foot eleven or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe if he's working in this bizarro hook shot thing, then uh, <laughs> there's a chance there. Um, I want to talk about the defense a little bit, Katie. We'll run through a couple of other individual guys as well. But the defense in this one, in the second half, obviously, held the Grizzlies just 42 points. The Grizzlies are a top 10 offense on the season. This is, I mean, it was a bizarro matchup altogether. Both teams Mm -hmm. extremely similar in sort of their profiles. Heavy offensive rebounding teams, heavy transition teams, you know, like very similar profiles overall. I think the Grizzlies have a little bit more half-court juice because of John Morant and basically because of that only. But as far as how the Raptors defended in the second half, it, it really felt like this was one of the first instances we've seen where they were on that string that is so necessary with Nick Nurse's defense, right? It didn't feel like they were over-rotating. It felt like they were rotating the exact right amount. Uh, mm-hmm. What were your impressions of the way they defended the Grizzlies in the second half of this one? Not an easy team to defend. Yeah, a lot less scrambly. And I think because the Grizzlies are like the Grizzlies want to get you on a run, right? Like they want to, yeah. they want to have you playing pretty thin. Um, and it didn't look like that, especially when they gave up so much in the paint in the first half. So I think to see them actually clamp down on that and get back to where they are, like they're top 10, like are they top five or top 10 and like points allowed in the paint, the Raptors, like they're, that's like one of their strong suits. Right. And to see that yeah. go out the window in the first half was a little bit uncharacteristic. So yeah. it was nice to see them run back to that. And I think like, you know, Taboro and Nick Nurse is um, tightening the screws defensively yeah. in that sense. And like I said before, like it, that feeds into the offense. And like, that's why things started to look organized again. The Raptors by default this season, I think we keep forgetting are going to be a team that is, that is like more inclined to get like a bit too loose, <laughs> you know, yeah. like and stretch pretty thin just by virtue of the way that they play by virtue of like the body types of all the players on the floor. So for mm-hmm. them to have some organization at all times, I think is crucial uh, or yeah. else it just gets too wily out there. Um, but the, I thought the defense looked good. I mean, I, yeah. I thought it was very funny that nurse was like, yeah, we were just doing the same. We were just running this <laughs> like over and over, but it's like, yeah, that's yeah. what sometimes young players need. Right. Yeah. And then something will like a light bulb will go off and they'll get it. Uh, and I think that, I think that really happened. Granted, like the Grizzlies aren't, they kind of fall apart under pressure in that sense, you know? Yeah. Um, and you didn't necessarily even need to send out like a lot of double teams on guys yeah. like they, for them to shut them down uh, and just make them kind of obsolete in the paint. So I don't know. I thought it looked good. It'll be a different, totally different story against Indiana, but I think yeah. it was a really good way to limit Memphis. Yeah, and especially after the very bad defensive first half, it was nice to see mm-hmm. them kind of figure it out. I mean, that first half drove me nuts. I think that's now four <laughs> games in a row. The Raptors have given up an easy transition bucket after a make. And it, that's mm-hmm. the stuff that like drives you insane because like, what's the point of getting in transition and scoring your own buckets if you're just going to give it back the other way? And mm-hmm. we didn't see that in the second half. That's nice. Uh, still lots of work to be done on the defense, obviously. And it's not really going to reach its peak until OG is back, you would assume. But hopefully that's coming soon. Uh, quickly, let's touch on uh, Scotty Barnes. Uh, mm-hmm. I-, I thought he, again, did the thing where he has a quarter where he takes over. Uh, and I really enjoyed Scotty Barnes's work. Again, after a pretty tough start. 
you know, he's had some rough first quarters lately, and he still manages to find a way to have a productive night by by the time it's all said and done. He managed to be productive and efficient in this one as well. The thing I want to ask you about is the three-point shooting. He's, he was mm-hmm. one of three last night. I think he's taken six in the last two games now. He seems to be finally listening listening to Nick Nurse's pleas to please put up some threes, Scotty Barnes. And I am very, very thrilled when it happens, Katie. I, I don't... Look, it's so early. It's very early days. We have no idea how it's all going to like sort of transpire and come together for him on on that side of the the offensive sort of coin. He is. I'm just going to pull up his numbers here as I mm-hmm. fiddle around. So please uh, bear with me here. But um, so far this season, shooting 26% on threes. So it's still not really there. 19 attempts so far, but it's uptick in the last few games. Here, he's I guess three of six in his last two games. Are you like comfortable with this let it fly, Scotty sort of mentality here? Obviously, you know, there's, there's going to be some trade offs. There'll be some wasted possessions where it's just he's not going to hit him because he's not a refined shooter just yet. But the thrill of watching him hit one is uh, is pretty exciting stuff. And I don't know if, you know, we could have even expected him to be taking this many threes this early in his career, but he is. And I think it only means good things long term. Yeah, I think they want to round out his capabilities, right? And they want to do that as soon as possible. Uh, I think it's pretty clear Scotty's very comfortable playing up close. It's also where he's yeah. shown he can be such a difference maker, like for his teammates, whether it comes yeah. to just pure scoring or spacing or like kind of anything, right? Like he's got a real, like to see him, I love to see the moments where he was like, trying his hand at playmaking, right? Like he's, they want him to be well-rounded. So it makes sense that now what's the next thing you want to add to that arsenal? It's a three point Mm -hmm. shot. So to see him kind of take a little, like take a couple quarters to get like to find his rhythm and fall into that flow also makes sense to me because he's not the most comfortable there. It's like you're, he's kind of going against his natural inclination, which is to stop downhill, right? (laughs) Get up close and score Mm -hmm. that way. Um, And just like really get in the mix. I think it's, it's a little bit, it weird for him to just stop, pull up and take a shot. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm happy. Like, again, I should preface this. I feel like we've talked about this before, but I should preface this with like, I don't really think that this is a season for criticisms of Scotty, yeah. like yeah. honest criticisms of Scotty, because he's already shown he's already gone way beyond like what anyone was probably expecting. So to see yeah. him kind of add new things and potentially have a little bit of a learning curve with things you never really even thought he was going to do this season. You can't critique that. No. And I think, you know, it is all sort of the long game, right? And I don't know if he's ever going to become, you know, you know, a high volume, amazing three point shooter. I don't know why you need to put a cap on him this early. Why not? Like let it fly, put up eight a game. Look, I don't care. Uh, but I, I do really think that extra sort of threat that he can provide if he is mm-hmm. going to make that an actual part of his game. And again, he's three of six in his last two, entirely too small a sample to think it means anything. But the fact that he's willing to put it up, eventually that's going to lead to good things for him. I talked about this on yesterday's podcast in one of the mailbag questions about how, like, I don't think it's necessary that he adds a three necessarily this season to still be able to operate, even though defenses are very clearly, you know, learning to counter him a little bit and they know where his spots are. I think, though, if he is going to sort of do the thing where, you know, he's done it all season, he'll pull up at 18 feet, survey, find a a cutter, or if there's no one around, he'll just pull it up and shoot it. If you can stretch that Mm -hmm. out 
and make that an extra part of your repertoire. Like all of his threes are going to be wide open. This, this is the thing. Like he's going to have plenty of opportunity to do the thing where you're practicing against a chair, except you're in the middle of a game because there's going to be no one near him whatsoever when he's putting these up. So why not work on the stroke? Why not put him up and just see what happens? And, you know, I got to say, it, it, the stroke doesn't look bad. <laughs> like It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's a little flat and like Blake Griffin-y and all that, but we've seen that work in the past for guys. That shouldn't be too much of a problem. I'm more than happy to see uh, the Raptors continue to mine that and, and try to make Scotty Barnes into a three-point shooter. Why not? This is going to happen but at some point. Like, Why not make it happen 20 games into his career? <laughs> he's also like something that that's going to do eventually down the road is he's going to get defenses to bite, right? Yeah. Like yeah. as he gets the knack of it. And like that's, it's going to open up like a lane, right? It's going to, even if he just like, if he doesn't let that shot fly, it's going to yeah. create a lot more def- like offensive opportunities for his teammates. So yeah. I think that's smart. Uh, that's very smart of the team to have him introduce that into his repertoire as well, because it just is going to help him like see the floor so much mm-hmm. more broadly. And again, for a rookie who has the IQ that he does right now, that's like the scope, you know, like he's already so scopey and for him to just like <laughs> widen that lens even more. That's yeah. very cool to me. I do really wonder what the motivational tactic Nick Nurse is using to get Scotty to take threes is because, you know, as we talked about, it's not part of his sort of natural uh, DNA as a player just yet. And Mm -hmm. he wants to make the more high percentage plays basically every chance he gets. I wonder if there's like a jar or something that Scotty has to deposit money into if he's not (laughs) taking open threes. I wonder if there's some sort of like a carrot that he's receiving if uh, (laughs) if he is going to do this. I don't think it needs to be incentivized (laughs) to that degree. I think it's just like, why wouldn't you want to add that? You got to add the three point. Like you have to add the three point shot in the NBA now. You have to. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't Uh, think it's a reward system. It's capitalism, Katie. You got to no. incentivize everything. Uh, <laughs> we're going to finish up in just a second. We're going to get into the dude of the game conversation, Katie. Plenty of candidates to go around. We're going to hand out another dude of the game nom in just a second here. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football, and nothing goes better with football and then turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on to receive that bonus. You will get 100, say you put 100 bucks into your account, you put in that promo code locked on, you get a 50% bonus, meaning you have 150 bucks in your account. Voila. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. 
Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's round this out, Katie, with the dude of the game. Normally, I know who the dude of the game is coming into the segment. I have a little graphic made up. It's all part of the the production, the pomp and circumstance of the dude of the game. However, today, I'm struggling. I don't know who the dude of the game should be. There are plenty of candidates here. Katie, let's run through some of them. I think Precious Achua is one for his Mm -hmm. 17.3rd quarter where he just completely was on fuego, hit the three threes, was unbelievable, had a really nice defensive second half, I thought, as well. We could go with Gary Trent Jr., who led the team in scoring quietly and continues to be one of my favorite players to watch in Raptors history, uh, very much along the Terrence Ross sort of uh, line of thinking there for my brain. Uh, I thought you had Yuta Watanabe. You could get like a ceremonial due to the game. Malachi Flynn did the thing where he steals a ball from a waiting rebounder again for like the fourth straight time he's played. You've got Delano Banton had a nice little four-point stretch. Svima Hailuk had eight points. We could even say Pascal Siakam had a pretty decent, I thought, kind of reserved, calm, didn't force anything kind of game, had some pretty good defensive attention, paid his way, and distributed it off to others and didn't force it. Katie Heindel, who to you is the dude of the game? I will give you the final say here. I've given you the candidates. Who you picking? Thank you. Uh, It's a lot of pressure, but I want to give it to Precious just because of the struggles that he's had in a couple games um, going into this game. I also think because a lot of the criticism of him was that he should just pick one thing to focus on, that he was you know, stretching himself a little bit too thin. Some right. of that is a learning curve again, and like guys kind of hitting plateaus and having to calibrate all this new knowledge and these new skills that they're learning. Uh, and I think last night that he showed that, yeah, he has, he's, he's taken that information <laughs> And he's utilized it, but he's also showing that like, you know what, like, no, I can do a little bit of everything. And that's like where the team needs me to show up and I'll do it. So we, last night we had the shooting. Yeah. It's also obviously nice when shots fall, but he was putting himself in great positions for those shots to fall. Uh, I thought his defensive reads were really astute. You know, I thought he just looked really good. He looked extremely confident. Uh, He was playing a really physical game. He, he gave them a little bit of everything and he helped them like dig themselves out of that hole that they got themselves into at the half. So it's precious for me all the way. Precious Achua, you're two time in a row due to the game winner. He picked it up against the Warriors on Sunday as well. Yeah, I, I am inclined to agree here. I think he deserves some flowers for that third quarter where he really turned the tide for the Raptors offensively. And I think what was different about Precious's game last night, like he took three threes, which is a little bit kind of out of the norm for him, but mm-hmm. it didn't feel like any of his buckets in the third quarter were sort of him. Like this is the kind of trap he gets into where he's trying to be the initiator. He's trying to be the guy who sort of ignites the offense and he's just not refined enough and sort of uh, he doesn't have the processing speed just yet to be that guy in comparison to the other guys he's sharing the floor with. You would rather Fred or Scotty or Pascal to be creating as opposed mm-hmm. to Precious. Whereas in this instance, in the third quarter, it felt like Precious was just on the receiving end of all the playmaking that everyone else was doing. It was very much within the flow of the offense. And, you know, those threes weren't like out of control pull up threes. There weren't like the drives into the paint where he didn't have a plan. It was he was on the receiving end. He was the beneficiary of the other guys getting into the teeth of the defense or whatever. And he, you know, 
adequately filled that sort of last outlet kind of role. And mm-hmm. I thought he was fantastic. It was wonderful to see. And I, I continue to be really impressed with his defense the last couple of games as well. That, I think, is way ahead of where his offense is overall, though it was really nice to see him kind of mix in the threes and the around-the-rim scoring in this one. Uh, yeah, I think that's a totally worthy dude-of-the-game winner. Precious Achua, two times in a row, now tied for the lead in the dude-of-the-game leaderboard with, uh, I believe, Malachi Flynn's in there, and I think Delano Banton and Fred Van Vliet also have two wins apiece as well. Um uh, just uh, you know, a quick shout out to Malachi Flynn, Katie, in this one. He's not the dude of the game. However, I thought he was really effective. He got meaningful run in the first quarter of this game, which I think is the first we've seen all season long from Nick Nurse. Had the six points, the four assists, three of four shooting. Uh, a couple really, I think he had a really nice, uh, he had a really difficult high off glass finish. I don't know. There, there's a lot in there uh, in this game. It was a very loaded uh, sort of plot line to keep <laughs> up with. But I, I thought Flynn, you know, he's a guy who can create his own shot, which is something that second unit really needs. And I'm fully on board with just regular full time backup point guard Malachi Flynn. But another note, too, is that they, for a second in the fourth quarter, dabbled with a super small lineup of Van Vliet, Flynn, Trent, Barnes, and Siakam. I, I'm ready to see a little bit more of that too. Like, give me the multi-point guard <laughs> looks. Have Fred kind of running around off ball. I think both Flynn and Fred can be really effective off ball catch and shoot guys. While the other guy creates thoughts on Malachi Flynn. It, has he finally ascended into full time rotation duty with his game against the Grizzlies, Katie? He's getting there. Yeah. But you know, my feelings about Flynn is that it's unfortunately he's kind of kind of catch twenty two, right? He yeah. needs the minutes. But thus far, it hasn't seemed like Nick Nurse has trusted him with the minutes. So it is nice to see him kind of breaking that rhythm a bit on his own behalf. So, yeah, sure. Let's trust him. This is a season (laughs) where we should uh, place our trust uh, and patience a little bit more in these guys. Yeah. Embolden the youths, I say. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I said, I think the Flynn, Banton, Svi, Utah, sort of backbone of a second unit. Look, they're probably going to mix in multiple starters once they're fully healthy. But those four guys, if those are your first four off the bench and then Precious is in there as well, obviously it gets really tricky because there's going to be 11 or 12 guys who are worthy of minutes at this point once they're fully healthy, if they're ever fully healthy. Um, so it's going to be sort of a moving target as to who that second unit is going to be. But that foursome, I think, makes a lot of sense. You get the mm-hmm. secondary creation of Svi and Utah. You get the sort of erratic weirdness of Delano Banton, who's just a delight to watch no matter what he's doing. Still don't know what the hell he is, but he's the best. And then Flynn, I think, you know, steadies the ship a little bit and kind of all importantly keeps Fred Van Vliet from playing 9,000 minutes a game. Fred only played 37 minutes last night. Woo! Uh, <laughs> what an achievement in minutes restrictions. Uh, <laughs> That's an improvement. Yeah, uh, but Katie, that is going to bring us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for uh, d- doing the tough job of naming the dude of the game today. I'm glad I could pawn that decision off on you. So if the people get mad, it's not with me that they can get mad about. Although I did have a few people jump in the mentions last night and say Precious is obviously due to the game. It's the segment everybody's talking about, Katie. It's actually happening. Either way, <laughs> we have reached the end of the show. Katie, anything that you would like to promote? Um, yeah, sure. I will promote Basketball Feelings. <clears throat> I'm recording the next episode of the Basketball Feelings podcast a little bit later today with an American guest who has graciously Ooh. given some of their time on Thanksgiving. 
again, my fault. I didn't think it was today, but they agreed. So <laughs> it's happening. Um, and you can find that at basketballfeelings.com. Excellent. I'm a subscriber. I highly recommend it. You should go and subscribe and give Katie your money for basketball feelings. It's worth paying for. Let me tell you. Uh, you can also listen to me and Katie on another podcast called uh, Basketball. It's our uh, sort of general NBA adjacent podcast. We had an episode today with uh, stand-up comedian Mike Malloy, where we accidentally grew an affinity for Danny Ainge and the Celtics. Uh, <laughs> got real, really weird. Not at all what I expected, but you can go listen to uh, Basketball. Subscribe to our Patreon page as well at patreon.com slash uh basketball there's two h's in that url in the uh part uh you can also uh, subscribe to this podcast and uh tell a friend rate review subscribe on youtube it's very appreciated when you go ahead and do that and we'll be back again on tomorrow's podcast thank you for making us your first listen of the day go make your second listen of the day locked on fantasy basketball josh lloyd's australian he's not taking the day off for thanksgiving so go listen to locked on fantasy basketballs josh is giving you all the goods to get you through your fantasy basketball seasons with dfs and full season advice and until tomorrow thank you so much for being here we'll talk to you again then with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.